This is a relay project. Real talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. It's uh, Wednesday, October 12th. Thanks for joining us here on Real Talk. Ryan Jesperson, John Hicks, day two from our new downtown Edmonton studio. Pretty excited yeah. to be here. And uh, the majority of people will will uh, catch this episode uninterrupted. But uh, I wanted to uh, give a, a shout out to everybody who joins us live, who either checks in on the uh, live streaming Mixler audio app or who joins us live on YouTube. We left you waiting for about 10 minutes this morning. And uh, out of the gates, I would like <laughs> to take immediate responsibility. What? It's been uh, to, to paint like and I know most people when when people tell you about their problems, you don't care. And uh, that's not a slight against you. It's just like we've all got our own problems and we don't need to listen to other people's problems. But every once in a while, it's nice to hear about someone else's problems. It was an accident. Uh, a catastrophic accident just moments ago. Yeah. We were topping up our coffees. We were ready to go. John had all of the elements for the show prepared. And and a little peek behind the curtain here. Some of the elements that you see, the majority of you will listen to this show. But for those of you that catch it on YouTube, some of the elements that you see on the show, uh, we'll put up our sponsors' websites or we'll show you a cool video. It's coming from my laptop. It's coming from the unit in front of me, the MacBook Pro that we purchased from Westworld Computers, by the way. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and just moments, like literally, we go live at 8.30 uh, Mountain Time. At about 8.28 Mountain Time, I adjusted my microphone. I pulled the microphone out of the mic stand, and, and my clumsy hands allowed that microphone to drop, and it fell right on the sweet spot, or whatever the opposite of the sweet spot is. It's it, not it, sweet. It's not a sweet spot. It's not <laughs> sweet at all. And it landed on my laptop. Your and laptop it, screen smashed. I smashed my laptops moments ago, 12 minutes ago. It's over. And so I'm going to be flying blind. This is this is just a prop today. And uh, and and I guess I'll be this is a good time for me to mention our good friends at Westworld Computers because I'm going to be going to see them the minute the minute that we stop the minute that we finish this episode. And Charles Adler's just like patiently waiting to talk. He's patiently waiting to join us. As a matter of fact, Adler's patience has extended now beyond the the 23 hour mark uh because chucks was ready to he was locked and loaded ready to talk to us yesterday after we welcomed alberta's new premier daniel smith into the studio and and everybody's wondering where the hell is real talk what's going on i am the problem you know somebody's gonna gift that somebody's gonna turn that into but i am the issue i am the reason why our live audience had to wait for us today and it was amazing to see you troubleshoot or at least try to sure. for the last 10 minutes i to, don't think there's a problem you were there's there's really no problem what are you worried about we're kind of I, you're getting all, free content every day i was gonna say all of this is just a grand way for me to tee up a mention for westworld computers <laughs> and really everything's gonna be completely fine but if you find yourself in a situation like i do right now where your own clumsiness has contributed to a problem, a catastrophic tech issue, I recommend the team at Westworld Computers. They're your Apple experts, and right now, which which might actually be really good news for me, they're overstocked on MacBook Pros. Am I going to have to buy a new MacBook? You, might, you probably have to. 
<laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I'm, I'm just, I'm laughing so I don't cry. But the good news is, is that Daryl and his team have them on sale right now because they have too many MacBook Pros. They have too many MacBook Airs. And they also have the new iPhone 14s. You can check them out. You can shop online or go see them in person. You'll find Westworld computers at westworld.ca. Let me also give a big shout out to our friends at Park Power. Before we get to Charles Adler, and I know our hashtag's going to heat up the minute that Chuck takes over, uh, that hashtag is powered by our friends at Park Power. Internet, electricity, and natural gas is their game. Your friendly local utilities provider across the province of Alberta. Why not take two minutes today? Two minutes or less to compare rates. You know what you're paying right now for your utilities. I can virtually guarantee you're going to pay less with Park Power. In your first month, you're going to see a $70 return on your bill. They're going to knock 70 bucks off if you bring your business over to them using the promo code 2022-REALTALK at parkpower.ca. Now, once you're signed up with Park Power, you're also going to want to get in touch with Kubi Renewable Energy because those two are working together. They're doing a great job ensuring that prices are dropping for Albertans looking to power their homes in the most sustainable possible way. Kubi Renewable Energy, they're the experts on all things solar, and that includes this new Canada Greener Homes Grant, a $40,000 interest-free loan. You get 10 years to pay it back from the federal government. Interest-free to get solar up on your roof. In the summer months, when your system is generating more power than you need, you can sell it back to Park Power for more than the big guys will pay you. You can get your solar quote today at kubienergy.ca. And don't forget about Friesen Brothers as well. The first of the month, it's always 15% off grocery purchases of $75 or more. I want you to mark your calendar on that. I know it's a few weeks away, but the first of the month always sneaks up on folks. All of a sudden, it's the second of the month, and you go, gosh, I forgot to visit Friesen Brothers. I don't want that to be your circumstance. We want to keep as much money as possible in your pocket. Friesen Brothers, for more than 65 years, has been Alberta-grown and Alberta-owned. Well, you know, typically, uh, our pal Charles Adler joins us on Mondays. Of course, the Thanksgiving Monday, we hope that you had time to spend with your families or at least to to take a load off and relax. We endeavored to bring him in yesterday. And, and, and Chuck, as the universe would have it, uh, I heard from Real Talker Will, who reached out to me when we encountered some tech issues yesterday, trying to welcome you to the show after I talked to Premier Danielle Smith. And, and Will said to me, you know, the universe determined that having Premier Smith and Charles Adler on the same broadcast would have been just too much energy. And so we figured that maybe today was better. It's nice to have you here on a Wednesday. How are you doing? Hi. Hi to you. Hi to Will. Oh. And, to your, and to your sponsor. Um, they, they won't fire you for, for, for too many plugs. I don't know whether they'll give you a discount on your new Mac Pro. This but is God love John. I have never. I've oh my Lizard Wallace. Big shout out to him, as always. Greatest producer I've ever worked with. But next to Lizard would be John if he were my producer, because I honestly don't know as much as I loved the Lizard, whether he would have forgiven me for doing what you did. That was a technical atrocity. You called it catastrophic. It was. But to dump your 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 microphone into your laptop and smash your MacBook Pro is just, it, it's so vulgar. <laughs> And I'm just putting myself in the position of a producer, which is, of course, my, my very first job in, in broadcasting. I would want to just, I wouldn't want to kill you. I'd want to butcher you. 
John. Well, and and John, I, I feel like he does. He's he's a very even keel kind of a guy. Johnny, you've, I don't know if you. I, Man, I've, known, I've known you for more than are ten you years. Ever lucky. You've always struck me as even keel, but when you hear those words and they, they, every few weeks out of my mouth, hey John, got a second. <laughs> <laughs> hey John got a second and I and, and I, I and I, and, and and he came over to this beautiful table <laughs> this beautiful new table and and he and he looked at the screen and, and I sort of just said like how bad is it there it is right there and you and you delivered your immediate assessment that that <laughs> it, it is in fact screwed it's not screwed you'll have to replace the screen yeah we can replace the screen but but uh Charles I'm still a little bit in shock on this one you know yeah. uh, but that but that's okay the show goes on and i'll remind yeah. myself that, that that although we're live streaming and using all the latest technology this is the yeah. new era of modern independent digital media uh people did talk radio without laptops for 50 years uh, before us today so i think we'll be okay to fly blind uh yeah. how was your th- how was your thanksgiving i you you and i exchanged i, I you know i don't want to say too much about our, our our personal and private correspondence yeah. but uh you and i let each other know how thankful we are for each other uh you have been a mentor to me through the years and, and we'll get to the business of the day and the news stories. Uh, but yeah. how was your Thanksgiving? Well, first of all, let, let, let me just say it uh, publicly. I don't mean to embarrass you, but, you know, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, the first thing I think about, of course, is all of the listeners, followers, and now people who are following us on this this podcast every Monday, Tuesday, or, or Wednesday, or Wednesday. Depending <laughs> on what the technical gods allow us to do. But I've just got to say that uh, because I was uh, – I always talk about radio being being the girl I brought to the dance almost half a century ago. Uh, because of everything that's happened for us on this podcast in the last a little while, I am thankful to to Ryan Jesperson and everyone who works with Ryan Jesperson, including John, everyone, of course, who's married to Ryan Jesperson. That is one special person, uh, your, 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 your wife, your, your children, your, your dog, whoever it is in your life, your wonderful sponsors selling MacBook Pros. They've got too many. Get down there as soon as possible. Is it Westworld? What's the name of the sponsor, Ryan? Yeah, it's Westworld Computers. Westworld could go to Westworld Computers immediately <laughs> because they are saving our ass on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. So thank you to West, you know, uh, uh, on the Thanksgiving list, Westwood Computers as well. But Ryan Jesperson, I just can't thank you enough for restoring my affection uh, for the passion of my life, which is communications. Thank uh, you. Well, again. heck. Uh, Charles, I mean, it goes both ways, and I know that this audience is uh, is uh, is a big fan of what you bring to the table. You understand what real talk is all about, so let's get into it. Uh, I could yeah. tell yesterday you were chomping at the bit uh, after I spent about thirty minutes uh, sitting down. The very first guest in this new studio was was now sworn in premier uh, Danielle Smith, and and we'll get into some of the nuance. Obviously, she made big headlines after. I I, I would have preferred. I, let me not make light of the comment. I, 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 I'll, I'll pump the brakes for a second. Sure. Um, and for people that don't have the context, she basically said that the unvaccinated population is the most discriminated against yeah. uh, group of people that she's ever witnessed in her lifetime. Um, I would have preferred she said it on this show so we could have had 500,000 downloads. Uh, but, but in all seriousness, obviously, that was the story of the day. She did touch on a lot of other stuff with us. But, but your general impression of your former radio colleague, Danielle Smith, first day in office i want to i want to apologize let me just start with this download then uh, i want to apologize on behalf of my fellow caucasian and uh that would be danielle smith my my fellow white person i can't i can't believe you know you we've got people in different ethnic communities 
uh, people of color who sometimes make fun of, of white people and they make fun of them because white people sometimes come across as either in such incredible denial about how the world really is for most people around the world. Uh, and then and then beyond the denial, sometimes they, they're clearly covering up, uh, pretending they don't see what they see. But for Danielle Smith, and, and I understand during the campaign, she was pushing buttons. She even had uh, people sharing the stage with her saying that COVID was a hoax. Can you imagine how beyond offensive, how gross and ugly that is for anyone who has lost a loved one to COVID, for anyone who is suffering from long-term COVID? She allowed people like that on, and I, I constantly would rationalize it and say to myself that Danielle Smith, my, my former colleague, why, by the way, highly recommended to a number of people, including the, the time when it was time for uh, me to say so long to a particular TV show that was based in Calgary. And I highly recommended Danielle Smith as my replacement, even though she had very, very little experience. I just thought this was a rising rock star of communication. So nobody will ever accuse me of not being in her corner. But here it is on her very first day as Premier, and she is saying to anyone willing to watch or listen that the most discriminated group that she has ever experienced in her life are people who were vaccine hesitant, people who did not get the jab. I'm sorry. You don't have to be LGBT, a person of color, a woman wearing a hijab, a woman in Iran not wearing a hijab. You don't have to be black or brown. You don't have to be severely disabled. You don't have to be in any of those categories to know that that is one of the dumbest things that a politician has ever said. And for her to start her term, her very first day, by laying that out there, by pushing that button, by getting that click, I'm sorry. That to me is an indication that this person is not serious about bringing a premier. This person simply wants to push buttons. We don't need button pushing. We need public service, Danielle Smith. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think that she is, and, and I, and I, and I take your point, and I know what you're saying. You and I both know that she is certainly serious about premier, premier in in the sense that she's wanted it for a long time, as as would any aspiring politician at, at that provincial level. Uh, in so many ways, as I, I bet a whole bunch of liberal or conservative front benchers and backbenchers would love to be prime minister one day, and it can be a, a long road, and and sometimes it, it takes the uh, you know as the dude says, strikes and gutters. And sometimes it takes times out and sometimes it takes years to get you back in a position to hold that office. Uh, you, you could feel her energy yesterday as as it slowly uh, washes upon her as she slow, I think, realizes that that there she is, the office that she's coveted uh, since, you know, 2010, 2011, that 2012 election. But and I said this to her face yesterday that the the tone that she said in the in the in the freewheeling conversation that we had obviously unscripted. I mean, I I had some some scribbled down notes and, and about fifteen questions that I wanted to get around to ask, but I didn't have them ranked. And I thought that I would let her uh, sort of sort of set the course or plot the course of the conversation. And there was a lot of talk about vaccines, and I don't. 
pick that up, you know, if I put my finger on the pulse where the general public is at in so many ways as other people can do, uh, Charles, uh, the average person, I don't see a lot of people continuing to grind an axe about vaccines. It's just not a thing anymore. I feel like society has moved on from it. Uh, However, the base there, that grassroots base is fertile and we know that to win the leadership. And she said it in so many ways right here on the show and it was observed by people on Twitter. I saw Max Fawcett making a note about it that the one thing that he picked up from that interview was that she's going for the rural support, potentially at the expense of urban support. And I wonder now if she doesn't lay off the gas there, if she doesn't ease herself into that more moderate territory, whether or not it might cost her the general election eight months from now, it's a risky move. She's serious about being premier. Okay, I will agree with you on that. What I was trying to say, and maybe I was a little bit on the clumsy side, so let me just say it very, very specifically. It's one thing to want to be something. It's another thing to serve somebody. When you're a premier, you are the number one public servant in the province, and your mind has to be on all Albertans, whether they're rural or urban, whether they voted for you or their opponent, whether they're people who might never vote for you. You've got to concern yourself with all of them. And by the way, on the very first day, and this did happen on your show. She didn't wait for the press conference to do this. But on the very first day, she is saying to all Albertans, as someone who's mostly serving them, that the Alberta Health Service, that, 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 in my opinion, that number one treasure of Alberta, the, the, the folks who protect us, when, when, when there's a 911 call, when you or your loved one has a, a heart attack or a stroke or something has gone horrible, a car may have hit your child, and you count on that Alberta Health Service, our number one ally, our number one friend, our number one treasure. And on the very first day she's premier on your show, Ryan, she said, they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Excuse me. You don't know what you're doing, Madam Premier, with all due respect to the office. You don't know what you're doing. Uh, she's, uh, you know, looking back on an interview. I don't know if you were like this, uh, but after an interview, were, were you your own toughest critic? Would you look back after an interview yeah. and say, gosh, I should have asked that question or that should have been my lead question or why didn't I ask her this? I mean, I was walking of, with that yesterday. Brian, one of the reasons I adore you and I don't mind saying it publicly is because you were one of the only people in my life who had the balls to tell me that at times I didn't challenge certain people. Uh-huh. One of them was Jason Kenny, and everyone knows about what happened a little over two years ago when some people, especially people on the side of the UCP, feel that I challenged him too much, feel that I went over the line. But one of the people who pushed me and motivated me to understand that no matter how I felt about somebody, whether I liked them or I didn't, and Jason Kenny was someone I liked too much, to be brutally honest about it, and I showed clearly too much favoritism in previous conversations that I had with him, which were public. And on this particular conversation, I was very mindful of what you had told me and taught me to challenge him, to treat him like I would treat anybody else running for an important position just weeks away from the election. And, and so I did. So I will never forget how much of a gift that was to me, not just for that particular night, but for all nights going forward. And that's why on, on this day as well, I could simply pull my punches because on a personal level, I liked Danielle a lot. She was the one 
um, who at that panel that you and I sat on with Supriya, yeah. who is uh, Supriya and Danielle and you and me at that uh, global panel on that election, a couple of election campaigns ago. And I was having a very, very tough time with a question that uh, Farah Nasser asked me about uh, when my heart had turned on conservatism. And it was a very, it was very easy intellectually for, for me to, to, to tell her why, but emotionally it was very, very difficult. It was when I felt the conservatives in, in that campaign, a few of the Harper's last campaign had, uh, had gone anti-Muslim. And that was just, uh, that was just too much for my heart. And it was uh, clear to the audience that I was, uh, uh, uh getting, uh, overly emotional i was having a tough time i was kind of losing it danielle smith literally held my hand when she saw that happen yeah so I, i'm not i'm not here to say that danielle smith is not a, a good human being she is a good human being but she's being reckless in a position where her focus should be on servicing the public not her own base yeah that's well said. That was a remarkable moment on, on national television. I, I remember that. That was the first time I'd ever heard your voice crack. Well, that's not true. That's not true, actually. Um, we've, we've talked, and I don't want to get too into the weeds on this, but this is one of your most memorable shows, and this was a number of years ago, was when the whole Jean Gomeshi thing was going sideways. Yeah. And and uh, at that time, he was still the host of, of Q, or at least he was suspended, I think, and you were talking about your dad and Mike Adler, and it was a, that was a remarkable bit of radio. But, but, but I remember that night in 2019 election, night and, and that was a, a moment and you know i i find that you know in, in my personal and professional relationship with we you know danielle i mean she's the premier now i should refer to as premier um it, it's it's an interesting dynamic and it's a different dynamic you know I, I talk i was joking yes i hosted a private event last night and it was wonderful a lot of politically engaged people and 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 from different political stripes charles and and i was i was joking as as i was up at the podium i said you know the left wingers uh i saw one person yesterday characterize my interview with with danielle as a sleigh ride you know that i was going i was too easy on her and i was pitching her softballs and then i said and at the same time the right wingers believe that my bias uh prompts me to treat her unfairly and it's hard to explain a dynamic when you have a personal relationship with somebody and you're interviewing them because there's a lot of layers to it like i like you know a, a peek behind the curtain then i'll get our, our conversation back focused but like wow. one of my like my favorite taxi ride ever was at three o'clock in the morning uh, heading back to our hotel in downtown Toronto, the taxi cab, you, me, Danielle Smith, and Brad Wall. Like, if 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 we could have had the dash cam, if we could have had the, the, I'm not going to forget that conversation anytime soon. But there's a lot of layers to how you understand somebody, and to how you right. hold somebody accountable, and to how sure. you challenge somebody. You know. Anyway, the point I wanted to make when I asked you. 15 minutes ago i love how you and i chat 15 minutes ago if you ever want a question back or if you ever like a do-over on the interview I, I was kicking myself yesterday why did i not ask her when i had her exclusively sitting here one-on-one -on -one, why did i not ask her who her first fire was going to be uh, and of course it's going to be it looks like dr dina hinshaw the chief medical officer of health in alberta uh we got an email from a real talker who wondered if theron flurry might be appointed to the post next uh we'll have to wait and see but I know that you noted uh, and you pointed this out. And, and Johnny, let's tee up this clip yesterday. One of the most significant statements I think she made yesterday was talking about fairness and so-called sovereignty uh, and how she looks east to Quebec 
to, to maybe tap into some expertise on how she'll run her office here in Alberta. This was Premier Danielle Smith on this show yesterday. Quebec has demonstrated how the country ought to operate, that we are a jurisdiction that has its own ability to make exclusive choices in our areas. And for some reason, we've been acting like a subordinate level of government to Ottawa. We're, we're, we're going to stop doing that. And I'm, I may have to reach out to our friends in Quebec and have a, a diplomatic meeting with Francois Legault to get some advice on how we set up our own uh, personal income tax, how we set up our own provincial police, how we move forward on setting up our own pension. The, the Sovereignty Act really is just a first statement in how we're going to fundamentally change our relationship with Ottawa to be a lot more like the way they treat Quebec. Your thoughts, Charles? So, Premier, you, you want to have a relationship with uh, Francois Legault. Uh, this is a person who, among many in my native province of, of Quebec, touted separatism for many years, sovereignty is what they called it. Why? Because as they said, sovereignty was putting a knife to Canada's throat. I I don't admire anyone who wants to admire someone privately or publicly who wants to put a knife to Canada's throat. I also don't admire an Albertan who wants to admire Francois Legault, someone who has single-handedly stopped the pipeline that would take Alberta product all the way to the East Coast. Francois Legault has stepped on the throat of Alberta. You want to admire Francois Legault. You want to go to Francois Legault to find out how to set up a personal income tax situation so that Alberta could collect its taxes so that uh, Alberta doesn't have to send all that tax money to, to Ottawa and figure out how to share it by doing it. First, putting everything aside, that costs a lot of money that Albertans don't have to spend. And then secondly, you want to go to Francois Legault to figure out how to set up a, a provincial police force, something also that Alberta doesn't have to spend extra money on. Alberta spends good money for the RCMP. And then when Jesperson asks you about it, well, you don't really want to uh, replace the RCMP. You just want to augment uh, the RCMP. Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. Anybody, especially first day in office, to basically say that my 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 new mentor and my new partner is is going to be Francois Legault, who for all intents and purposes is still a separatist. He's trying to get everything that separatists wanted without having to separate. Francois Legault's crowd, his original crowd literally talked about with pride putting a knife to this country's throat and 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 the very first day as an albertan you are going to the guy who stopped the pipeline i I don't i I, once again i I know it pushes buttons but for god's sakes you're not doing a talk show anymore you're the premier what do you figure the next eight months is going to look like Right? Like like the average person right now, I, I know this because, I mean, I, I, this is what I love about front-facing events and hosting and things like that. You know, we do this show from a studio. We need to get out and talk to people. And the people that I talked to last night, whether they're Smith supporters, whether they're UCP supporters, uh, whether Alberta is their home province or not, whether there were some visitors last night, everybody's curious to know, can she win in May? Uh, we believe, I know, I don't want to jinx it. So I'm going to say, we, we believe that we will be sitting down with, uh, former premier Rachel Notley, it, you know, w- within the next couple of shows. Um, and I'm looking forward to picking her brain on what effective opposition and campaigning is going to look like, you know, that Notley wants to be premier again, that's for sure. Uh, but everybody last night wanted to know, can Danielle Smith win a general election? And if so, 
what's she going to have to do to to pull it off? Uh, what are you expecting her politics and her her public persona to look like between now and May of 2023? Well, I'm sorry to say, I got no no pleasure out of saying this. I was looking forward to Danielle Smith having a very good day yesterday, so that I could come on your show and say that she's clearly pivoted from running for uh, the the leadership to to being a premier for all the people. That's what I wanted to say. I didn't rehearse that line, but that's what I wanted badly to say, and that's what I would want to say today. But I can't. So what can I say politically? What I can say is yesterday, on the very first day that Danielle Smith was premier, she made Rachel Notley look like the premier in waiting. Charles Adler joins us every Monday or Tuesday or sometimes Wednesday here on Real Talk. And you can follow him every day on Twitter at Charles Adler. Hey, before you go, let me ask you about this. I, I, I saw that you've, you've, you've made a little bit of a tweak to who can comment on your yeah. tweets. So now it's got to be either somebody you mentioned in your tweet. Everybody knows how Twitter works, I think, or most people do. Uh, it's got to be somebody you've either mentioned in your tweet or somebody that you follow. Um, and I think more and more people, for their own mental health or, or for whatever reason, are making a move in this direction. I, I wanted to ask you about that before we go. Well, one of my very first jobs, you know, I basically grew up in Adler's Tailor Shop. Sometimes I say I went to the University of Adler's Tailor Shop, even though I actually went to University of Calgary for a bit and McGill University and, and some others in the States. But at my very first job when I was eight, nine, ten years old, whatever it was, I was just a child. It was uh, sweeping up at my, my dad's store. My dad was a, a tailor and a dry cleaner. So there was lots of stuff on the floor at the, at the end of the day. And it was my job to sweep up. So on Twitter in the last little while, I just find I spent so much time sweeping uh, some of the garbage out of the, uh, the replies. Uh, they're either bots or trolls or people who are impersonating bots or trolls. They don't add anything uh, to the conversation. And so I'm, you know, I'm uh, muting and I'm blocking and I, I mean, I'm spending a whole lot of time on stuff that has nothing to do with having a conversation with the people, which is, of course, what my whole life is about. And it's why the whole I'm point. Thankful to, to Ryan Jesperson. So I, I don't want to be spending it. So I just thought to myself, well, uh, you know, Gerald Butts was on the other day and Gerald Butts got the idea from Catherine McKenna. There's a very simple way to do this. Uh, you just adjust the replies so that only the people that you follow, which are the people that you trust, the people you respect, only they are allowed to participate in the conversation. So I can still have a conversation with a lot of the people across the country who I have a great deal of respect for. But I'm not going to turn, you know, my 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 account into the the the, the, the personal, you know, vomit pail uh, for the, uh, the the vomiters across the country, the right wing nut, nut jobs who are absolutely nuts about anything that's right-wing. Oh, Daniel Smith has someone on saying uh, COVID's a hoax. That's wonderful. It's about time someone said that. You know, F. Trudeau, F. Trudeau, blackface, blackface. I don't, I don't, I don't need it. My followers don't need it. And so by, by simply adjusting the replies, I mean, I just thought, wow, eureka. And so uh, now, of course, I'm even more engaged on, on Twitter in a positive way. And then and, and, and Bob's your uncle. I love that. The vomiters across the country. Uh, the vomit pale. Can I? The, the vomit pale. Yeah, we all have a very vivid. <laughs> hey, can I? Can how, I how, can you, how can you live a real life in Canada without having a vomit pail or a, a vomit bucket? I mean, seriously. You got a party. 
can I, uh, can I, can I tell people, do I have your permission to tell people about our, about our DM conversation la- about 11 o'clock last night, but, but uh, about one in the morning Eastern time. Can I tell people? Sure. What, uh, absolutely. Can I tell Go them about it. Cam, about Cameron, the real absolutely. talk, real, I, I love you for this a real <laughs> talker. A guy by the name of Cameron walks up to me at this event. They raised a quarter million this a, this is in a guy's house. They raised a quarter million dollars last night for the Stollery children's hospital foundation. Absolutely amazing. And uh, this guy by the name of Cameron, who's got a huge heart and uh, is just a wonderful guy, successful entrepreneur. He comes up to me and he goes, he goes, gosh, I love, he goes, that was such, he said, I was, I I was just waiting. I was just waiting to hear Chuck. He goes, I, he goes, I tune in every, he goes, I can't wait to hear Charles on Real Talk. And, And then he goes. But he got me blocked. He goes, he's got me. He, he goes, he's got me. He's got me blocked on Twitter. And I said, what? I said, no. I go, how come? He goes, I don't remember. I don't know why. He says he thinks he liked something or he piled on something or whatever. And you blocked him. And I and I said, you watch. I said, you watch this. And I DM'd you in front of him. And I said, hey Chuck. I said, I'm talking to the most delightful guy right now. He's a big fan, and he would love to have access to your timeline again. And you just wrote back, done. And uh, it made his night. And so I wanted to, hey, I, I thought that that was, a, that was a really awesome uh, moment to see that reconnection happen. And I wanted to give you a shout out for it. Well, Cam, thanks, uh, first of all, for raising a box for a uh, very, very worthy cause. Uh, thanks for asking the, the best fundraiser I know, <laughs> Brian <laughs> Jesperson, to, to help uh, do that. And, and thank you very much for just uh, simply being honest enough to say to Ryan, hey, I don't. I don't know what I did, but Chuck obviously I pissed him off. I, yeah, I vomited in the bucket. I did something, <laughs> but I, uh, I, Chuck, Chuck blocked me. <laughs> could could I get back in the good graces? Of course. Yeah, and and then, and then this is also a friendly reminder to Cameron that that if he gets off his wallet and buys some advertising, I'll say his company's name on the show too. How's that? <laughs> oh, said with love, Charles. Oh, he fundraises and he sometimes even fundraises for his own family. Yeah. How can I not love a guy like that? <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, man, my face hurts from smiling. I've got I've got I've got happy tears in the corners of my yeah. eyes, which is yeah. a consistent feeling when we connect. Thanks for this, Charles. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, and thank you in advance, Westworld Computers, <laughs> for helping the people of Canada. <laughs> oh. Including clumsy-handed yeah. talk hosts. I'm currently online right now making you an appointment. To <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> at Westworld.ca, their fix. service department. Daryl and his team at Westworld are getting their money's worth on this episode. And it's fast. It's quick. And it's fast. I'm happy to Fixed hear it. by tomorrow. Thanks very much. Uh <laughs> Absolutely amazing stuff. I wanted to get to this email from Cheryl as well. Bruce Arthur is going to be joining us in just a moment. TSN contributor, uh, obviously one of Canada's most read columnists with the Toronto Star. We're going to talk to him about this this uh, developing story with Hockey Canada. You know, yesterday, uh, Hockey Canada CEO Scott Smith uh, stepping down along with the entire board. Uh, as Sapria Devetti and I uh, characterized it in this week's edition of Seriously, that podcast is out. You can check it out at seriouslypod.com, a new one every Wednesday. Uh, if, if there were to be a headline, uh, as the regular person might put it, well, duh, uh, the entire board stepping down, obviously, because Hockey Canada is a total mess. But where does it go from here? Uh, that's what we're going to ask Bruce Arthur in just a moment. We invite you to send us your emails to talk at ryanjesperson.com, and that's exactly what a number of you did yesterday. Uh, Cheryl's rose to the top, and I appreciated this. She says, listening to Danielle Smith on Real Talk brought out all of the annoyance and, yes, even sometimes anger about the pandemic to the forefront. Cheryl says, I'm so tired of politicians. It strikes me as most often conservatives going on and on about how the pandemic response 
ignorance is the cause of everything that's wrong with our world today. Uh, She says, I equate it to blaming the firefighters for the water damage that they caused putting out a blaze in your home. You know, the pandemic, it's a disease and there was a need to take action to prevent death. That was necessary. Now, how we personally chose to react to those requirements was what affected people's mental health. Uh, In all caps, Cheryl says, it was not something that was done to us. It was an event that happened. How we reacted to it personally was what affected mental health. And some parents and politicians message was that of promoting some sort of victimhood instead of what, you know, doing what needs to be done and carrying on and their overwhelming need to point fingers and to stir up anger has created division and hate. If you really think about it, the whole trucker rally thing, the whole freedom convoy, it was just a massive temper tantrum by people that believe the world owes them something and people need to grow the fuck up and stop their whining and their complaining and carry on. And I can't believe that Alberta's newest premier is still trying to milk this for votes. Uh, That from Cheryl. That could have qualified as a trash talk, I think. Uh, But I'm happy to present that email today. We'd love to get to emails every single day, and we endeavor to make time for that. You can send us your thoughts to talk at ryanjesperson.com. Of course, Trash Talk is presented by our friends at Local Environmental Services. You know, they're about a whole lot more than than just garbage and recycling. You can check them out online at localenvironmental.ca. They're expanding their footprint in prairie communities, it it seems, on the regular. Across Alberta and Saskatchewan, uh, they're doing the big waste management contracts for malls and hotels and big retail locations if that's you they'll virtually guarantee they'll give you a better deal if you endeavor to keep it local and get in touch with them you can request your quote today but also water hauling landfill services vacuum truck services fencing portable toilets you name it local environmental services does it you can click on the who is local link on their website to learn more about their leadership it's a compelling story this family-owned business that presents trash talk every fridays uh, every friday right here on real talk speaking of family-owned businesses i've told you many times how proud we are how happy we are to be feeding our dogs grand dog essentials quality raw food why not because they buy advertising with us in fact we were buying their quality raw dog food well before we had a business relationship we've seen the health benefits and not just with the quality raw food but also the supplements that they have there's different oils different things you can add to your dog food and and they don't even supply all of it if you go onto their instagram page if you check out their blog page at granddog.ca you'll see how adding for example fresh fruit to your dog's diet can make a big difference in their overall health this is a family-owned business that cares about your furry family members if you use the promo code realtalk at granddog.ca you'll see 10 percent knocked off your first order delivered right to your door in calgary edmonton and central alberta we also wanted to give a big shout out to the dairy queens of northwest edmonton and sherwood park the fall blizzard menu has touched down and we want to remind you that it's a perfect day to feast your eyes on the pumpkin pie blizzard it's a 
fan favorite for good reason. We know a lot of people, of course, this time of year, it is all about the fall blizzard menu. Of course, don't forget about the signature stack burger combos as well. My personal recommendation, the steakhouse stacker. I love it with that onion ring on top. It's absolutely perfect from the Dairy Queens in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road. And just before we get to Bruce Arthur, I also want to put out a call to engineers across the country. You've got your PNG, all right? You've put in the work. You know that you're making a big contribution to your company and to your clients. But is that fulfillment coming back your way? Do you feel like you're in a good position to thrive and really reach your potential? If not, go check out apexautomation.ca today. Apex Automation is providing intuitive, fully autonomous solutions to industries across the country, giving people back their time. And corporate culture is priority number one. You see evidence of it across this company. You can visit them today under the Sponsors tab on our website. I knew you were going to hit that post. Just wanted to let the studio band finish, (laughs) and then we'll transition. You know, Bruce Arthur uh, is one of Canada's most read columnists. Maybe he's Canada's most read. Bruce, is there a way to track that? I mean, I think once you get into the 100,000, 150,000 follower range and you got a column in the Toronto Star, you can walk around with that bit of swagger. Uh, I would very much hesitate to say that. I do think that we need to keep Twitter and the readership separate because Twitter is such an awful, awful place. And the fact that I have a ton of followers, I don't know how many real people there are there. Yeah. Uh, I do know there's probably too many of them. Uh, But in terms of the readership, no way to really know. I'm just happy anybody reads me. Yeah. Well, listen, you're, you're, the, you're the first guy that I thought of, and I, I, I want to just say to your face how grateful I am when you make time uh, for this show. Uh, but yesterday, when we saw Hockey Canada's CEO, Scott Smith, stepping down, it uh, felt like just a matter of time, to be honest with you. The entire board is stepping away as well, which leaves this national entity and what do you call it a state of flux i mean it's it's like when you visit the scene of a uh, of a house fire and, and you see the sort of smoldering ruins uh, the foundation sitting there charred and blackened i'm not trying to be dramatic i i think that that's a fair assessment of the state of hockey canada right now the revelations uh the the reality that the average canadian let alone hockey parents are are grappling with right now about what we have come to understand about a brand that was so integral to millions of people's national identity. I mean, am I overstating it, Bruce? I don't think you are at all, actually, because I don't think that there's very much in this country that's as infused with who we think we are as hockey. Hockey is not just a sport. And people will tell you that, and it's usually a marketing slogan. But it's true in that the way hockey has been kind of fused with the infrastructure of the country and the patriotism of the country, the way it's the the community hub for so many small towns, the way it's the biggest property at the national level. If you remember the 2010 Olympics in Vancouver, the gold medal men's hockey game, something like half the country watched part of that game. That doesn't happen anymore. We don't, we have such a fractured kind of news and culture there's so many niches and so it's so atomized, right? Uh, hockey is still one of those things that pulls more people together than pretty much anything else. The Toronto Blue Jays is actually a little bit close. The Toronto Raptors when they were in the finals. But hockey is that thing that is built into what it means to be Canadian, whether that's true or not. But 
what this scandal has done, think about this, and I, I've stolen this line and I've used it a couple of times for a friend. Hockey Canada became too toxic for imperial oil. Like I, that's not something I ever expected to happen in my lifetime. And I'm not someone who's necessarily naive about the fact that hockey has its problems, but the level to which this scandal has ascended is truly remarkable. The fact that Scott Smith was the named CEO officially took over on July 1st yeah, and is gone in mid-October and it, that's weeks late. We've never seen anything like that in hockey. Do you think had, had Esso or Imperial Oil and Scotiabank and Tim Hortons and <clears throat> Canadian Tire and others not pulled their sponsorship, do you think that we would have seen the board leave? Would, would, would Scott Smith have stepped down? I don't think so. Uh, there are, there were so many pieces of the pressure that hit Hockey Canada. So you had uh, the fact that the, the federal government actually taking an interest in Hockey Canada, holding hearings on the Standing Committee on Canadian Heritage, uh, really grilling witnesses. The fact that the prime minister had spoken out about this. How often has the prime minister spoken out about Hockey Canada in your lifetime or mine? I don't think it's ever happened. Yeah, I don't think so. But even once the federal funding was frozen, the federal funding is a very small amount of what Hockey Canada brings in. It's three or four percent. If we were talking about another National Olympic Committee and there are a whole bunch of National Olympic Committees that could use intervention right now. If we were talking about that and you froze federal funding, if it was bobsleigh, which has had its problems, bobsleigh would not be able to survive and there would be immediate changes. Hockey Canada, something like 40 percent of the revenue comes from sponsors. So it was that, but then you also, once the sponsors started to walk, you had an interesting dynamic, which was that the provincial association started to realize what way the wind was blowing. And they started to say, we are not going to forward registration fees. At that point, Hockey Canada doesn't have any friends left, right? And they don't have a lot of revenue sources left. The fact that sponsors started to walk, again, it's one of the most remarkable things in my lifetime. Can Canadian Tire cut ties with Hockey Canada. Most sponsors just paused it, but they actually said we're walking away. Yeah, uh, They have, at all these companies, really sophisticated risk analysis and branding kind of that they, they, they are making a bet that this will not be the last scandal to hit Hockey Canada. That would be my guess here. And that even with new leadership, there will still be problems with associating with the brand. Again, to say this about hockey in Canada is something that I don't think we've ever had this conversation quite before. It, it, it's, I think, an important point that girls and women uh, that are playing hockey right now are, are arguably and probably going to be the most, in, in, a, in a cruel, ironic sense, are going to be the most affected by this, right? I mean, we, uh, I, I've seen some people appeal to these big brands, um, and, and maybe it'll maybe the, maybe the appeal will make its way around those boardroom tables, and maybe we'll see Canadian Tire step up, or, or maybe we'll see Tim Hortons do something meaningful to ensure uh, that the funding continues, that these funding streams uh, continue, uh, and the avenues that need them the most. And uh, we've seen some of the most prominent. I mean, Haley Wickenheiser's carried a lot of water on this one uh, when it comes to the prominent names in hockey. But I'd be interested for your insight into that. Well, some of the sponsors, it was interesting. Some of the sponsors tried to separate out their funding to say we are no longer supporting the men's program through the 2022-23 season. Now, that gets a little bit tricky because one of the things that the, that the Standing Committee on Heritage is doing is they are probing the finances of Hockey Canada, of how money flowed between the foundation and the organization, uh, some of the investment decisions, that's still ongoing. 
Uh, but in terms of where the money goes, that was at least something where the brands said, yes, this is something we're trying to carve out. Because you're right, non-men's hockey is more vulnerable. Like, remember where the scandal starts. This starts with a gala in 2018 in London, Ontario, celebrating the World Junior Championship by the men's under-20 team. What that essentially is, what that's become, and junior hockey is something we should have a big conversation about in this country beyond the World Juniors, just the culture of it, what we do to kids, the way we send teenagers away to live with strangers. All those things are not how development systems work, I think, in any other country in the world. Um, like think about it, as a country, there have been times when we have had crowds cheering bare knuckle brawling between teenagers, right? Like that's when you separate it out from junior hockey and just to describe it that way, it, there's a rethink that needs to happen there. But the World Juniors became a huge television property for TSN. It's one of the biggest sporting events in Canada every year. And the fact that sponsors walking away from that, you don't get the equivalent in women's uh, hockey. So that's something, Haley Wickenheiser is an interesting name to bring up though. I've been thinking, and I wrote this last week, I've been thinking about who you would bring in. Because what's going to happen now is Scott Smith is out. The board has said they're not going to run for re-election, and that happens in mid-December. The new election, is they have calls out for board members. If you look at the way the board works now, it's basically mostly people who worked in provincial associations who are the volunteer of the year, and this, there, or the other, and worked their way up and wound up on the board of one of the most significant <laughs> Olympic committees and national sports federations in Canada, the most significant one. You need something better than that. And so Haley Wickenheiser is one name that I actually thought would be a really good addition um, because there is so much integrity in her. Yep. And that's what you need right now. You need someone who can look at the game and not view it through the idealized lens that we look at it and always have looked at it. You need someone who who lionizes the good parts of the game and recognizes the bad. And I think Haley does. Now, she's an incredibly busy person, right? <laughs> she's, a, she's a doctor. On the side, and, yeah, she's a doctor, yeah. <laughs> and the assistant general manager for player, for player development for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So that's not an automatic. But people like that is who you need in positions of, of authority. What we have right now at Hockey Canada is a really weird situation. They're, the board is going to appoint the current board, the board which is which is now discredited and is going to leave, is going to appoint an interim management committee. Now, we don't know what that ask, looks like. I asked Hockey Canada yesterday. They're still figuring it out. It's probably something like KPMG or uh, Boston Consulting Group or something like that. That's what people in the industry kind of speculated. Um, because there's a government piece, you might wind up with a former government general in there or something like that. That's something that they might come up with. But you're going to get basically caretakers who are going to have to deal with the federation as it stands in terms of the parliamentary committee still looking through the, the, the dollars, which is significant potentially. And then you get the implementation of the action plan that Hockey Canada came up with this summer, which the, I've talked to some people who said that it's not a really robust action plan in terms of reforming the culture of the game, but at least it's something. So there's that. And then there is a report that they're waiting for from former chief or not chief justice, Supreme Court Justice Thomas Cromwell. And that was people thought that was coming at the end of September. It still hasn't arrived in mid-October. Hockey Canada pledges to implement that. That's mostly governance based. And so there's a whole lot of things that need to happen. And right now you have very little actual leadership within Hockey Canada that anybody trusts. 
And so I, I still don't know how they're going to get to a leadership that actually looks like culture change in the game. Mm. I think it's more likely you're going to get leadership that looks like it wants to change the culture and actually is more of a return to normal. That's my guess. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I drop into our, our live chat and, and, you know, I see that, you know, Sharon, for example, says the missing point is respect. You know, she says we're talking around the issue. I mean, you look at the, the, the word respect, it figures so prominently in messaging around respect in sport. And any parent that's been involved as a, as a coach or an administrator in minor hockey knows. I mean, the, the course is called respect in sport, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, uh, you know, I mean, uh, Brenda says it's going to take a while to rebuild a firm foundation. I, I mean, it sounds to me like, and Bruce, you're, you're, you're 100% right. I mean, I've, I've often thought that the parents... You know, I remember when, when one of my best friends in junior high school moved away to Regina to play for the Pats, and we were all so proud of him. But now as a parent, you look back and you think, gosh, to have your, your 16-year-old move to another province and stay with a billet family in a very formative period of their life, it's thrilling. He was drafted in the first round of the NHL, but like, but still, right? And, and, and I heard a podcast with Scott Parker, the former heavyweight for the Colorado Avalanche, talking about how he learned to fight and how his dad taught him to fight and take punches. And you're talking about... 12 and 13 and 14 years old and but like Bruce can I be sort of tacky but the real talk as well is is there's a reason why Canada's won so many gold medals and there's a reason why disproportionately Canada's been most represented when, with regards to the, the the 800 or so players that are in the National Hockey League and why Canada has felt like this is our game it's because there's been this kind of all-in obsession where people and, and and I'm one of them. Like I'm one of them. I love hockey. I love it. I'm going to the Oilers home opener tonight. I mean, like I love the sport, but I'm sick about what's going on right now. Maybe I'm so sick about it because I love it so much. So so when it comes to this conversation about like where do we go from here, I am among the people that is searching for an answer because I don't even know where to start. Well, you're right. And Hockey Canada isn't the one that's gonna fix it, right? Like it's, it's, it's too big. The, the culture of hockey for good and for bad is, as we talked about, it is in, it's, it's threaded through the fabric of the country. And we are extremely resistant as a country to look at it critically and decide how it could be better beyond the kind of what tends to be relatively superficial fixes. We never look at the structure because you're right. We're really good at this. And Canada should. Canada has more rinks than any other country in the world, although the United States is coming for us. We have more players than any other nation in the world. Although I think the United States may have passed this, actually. I have to go look at the latest IHF report on that. Um, we have a machine that, for all the bad that comes out of it, creates the best hockey players, by and large, in the world. The best hockey player in the world, for about the last 70 years, has been a Canadian. Right. Go back as far as you want. Sure. And right now, Connor McDavid is that guy. And before that, it was Sidney Crosby. And before that, it was Eric Lindros for a time. Right. And then Mario Lemieux and Wayne Gretzky and Bobby Orange, et cetera. We create great hockey players. What we have here in Canada, it's it's not that special necessarily. If you look at it on a global scale in terms of institutions, we have an institution which we adore, which shapes our culture and which our culture shapes. And you do get when you have a level of adoration without kind of oversight, without responsibility, without looking at it critically, you get excesses and you get problems. And that's what we have in Canada right now. Is this, when you look at that one incident in London, 
And the fifth estate did a did a deep dive and found, I think, 15 similar episodes dating back to, I want to say, the early 90s. If you look at the details of the case, that was not the first time that those guys, I think, had done that. Hmm. I don't know that for sure. But if you look at what they did, how they planned it, how they tried to insulate themselves from possible prosecution, yep. getting the woman on tape to say, I'm sober, right? Get, getting her afterwards to take a shower. Like all that was deliberate. You're t you cannot tell me that that's the first time that they had done that. And they can't tell me that it's the first time it had happened in a hockey context. We need to have both. Like there's, the thing is, there's a ton of good in hockey. There's Absolutely. a ton of great people in of hockey. Course. Right? Like all the parents, the grassroots, the volunteers, there are a ton of people who are in it for the right reasons, and it's an unmitigatedly good thing for communities. But you need to be able to examine the game more critically than we do. You need to have more education in the game. It is still a very insular sport, especially at the higher levels, because it requires an immense amount of money. It's still a largely white sport. There is a real racism problem in the game. Yeah. And there's all, I mean, Andrea Skinner, the former board chair, talked about this in, in, in her testimony. She said, this is a problem in Canadian society. Well, yeah, it is, but it's also a problem in hockey. Um, there is a problem still with hazing in the game, although that's gotten better. But we've allowed this game to flourish in its good ways and in its bad ways. And I think this is finally the moment where we might examine the game critically enough to make genuine change in how it works. I'm not sure about that because the instinct towards normalcy is so powerful, right? There's a reason. Someone told me once, if you don't understand something, you just don't know enough about it. Hmm. And everything about hockey is explicable, all the good and the bad. Um, everything except for how Connor McDavid can skate. I still haven't had anyone no explain that. No one can that. figure that out. Yeah, It's unbelievable. Um, but this is a game, this is a moment where there finally is some kind of critical possibility where we actually introduce diversity, inclusion, and equity to the game in a meaningful way at all levels, where we finally maybe institute education when it comes to consent, when it comes to women, when it comes to violence, like all this sexual violence, all that stuff, a more robust version of that. That's at least all possible right now. It hasn't it hasn't really been possible before. There's never been any widespread impetus towards this. I was before. just going to say, like, what would have prompted it? There was there was nothing that forced people to go into that uncomfortable territory. Well, so think about the details of this case again. The, you can take the individual decisions by Hockey Canada to settle this case. A group sexual assault, they pay out the, the victim. She gets something out of this, the alleged victim. Hockey Canada didn't know the, the, the names of the alleged perpetrators, didn't know the facts of the case, and asked, as seems to be uh, a regular thing, asked her to sign an NDA or forced her to sign an NDA in order to accept the deal. I am led to believe that non-disclosure agreements are all over hockey in places that you wouldn't necessarily expect. I think there is a culture of silence to the game that has kept us from looking at it critically. I don't, I don't, I just don't think we've looked at it 
in the ways that we need to, to look at hockey because so Kenny Campbell wrote a book, uh, used to work for the Toronto star now, then the hockey news and now has an independent uh, site. It's very good. Yeah. His Substack, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was called, I believe selling the game about how the, even, even something as, as anodyne as the money of the game and how that shapes hockey. Now that's a valuable subject if you, if you deep dig enough into it and Kenny did. That book didn't sell an enormous amount. It should have, but it didn't. Because over and over, Canadians have shown that they don't want to hear the bad stuff. They don't want to hear that. They don't want to reflect on the game in ways that make us uncomfortable. Because I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm generalizing a little bit on this. If you ref, if you reflect critically enough on hockey, this kind of circles back to what we we're talking about at the beginning. You start to be critically assessing Canada. Right. Mm. We start to look at ourselves a little bit too closely. It's much easier to sing ourselves songs is the way I kind of put it. And to, to tell ourselves that the way hockey is, is the way hockey should be. Uh, the kind of Don Cherry view of the game mm. in a way that the, it's, it's inherent nobility doesn't come with any costs. Um, and it does. Right. It just does. Uh, I don't know that this will meaningfully, I don't know that this will change hockey enough and I kind of doubt it will. I think progress is slow and it's hard and it's a lot easier to do the superficial work than it is to do the real work. And I think sponsors, once superficial work is applied, will probably rush back to hockey Canada. But again, there's a chance. There's a chance right now that the game could look at itself a little more critically beyond just the board Beyond just Scott Smith, like hockey culture is not going to get fixed because Scott Smith is no longer CEO of Hockey Canada. Yeah, no you know? kidding. Bruce, I uh, I was looking forward to your take on this, and I'm grateful for it. Uh, people can read your work, of course, in the Toronto Star, uh, follow your contributions to TSN, and of course, follow you on Twitter, like it or not, at Bruce underscore Arthur. Uh, I should note that you're on the West Coast, so we appreciate you waking up early for us today. Thanks for doing this. That also explains this T-shirt and the very blah background of the fact that I've been <laughs> off-center this entire interview. I apologize. Man. Hey, we weren't going to say anything. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you again in a few months. See ya. You got it. That's Bruce Arthur um, uh, dropping it on our li- uh, live chat here. Tony says uh, NDAs, like non-disclosure agreements, are, are all over entities where rich, entitled men will not face consequences to their criminal behavior. Uh, Tony says, I'm talking about sports, politics, corporations, you name it. Um, and I love this assessment from 80s Fanify. Thanks for tuning in. Says that is a lot of food for thought, isn't it? I appreciate Bruce's perspective on this. Uh, anybody ready to just kind of like focus on on something that we can all agree on? And, and, and that is that uh, <laughs> the marvel of the Rocky Mountains and, and what they offer, whether you need a, me up here a, a, a reset. Well, you know what, though? And, and I like we promise to have these tough conversations on the show all the time. And I'm so grateful that we have an audience that you subscribe to it. You're here for it. Uh, Thanks to everybody that hits the like button. Uh, Thanks to everybody that shares our content, that subscribes to our platforms, rates and reviews the podcast. It means a lot to us. And we want to make sure that, quite frankly, uh, these conversations reach as many people as possible. And uh, your uh, service on that front goes a long way for us, and we appreciate it. Uh, We're grateful for our sponsors like Tourism Jasper. Every Wednesday, they, they give us a chance to to focus on on something that, that will edify, that will encourage us, something that will maybe take our appreciation for this beautiful planet to a whole new level. It's My Jasper Memories 
presented by Tourism Jasper. And this weekend coming up, John, this is a huge one because Friday marks the official kickoff to the Jasper Dark Sky Festival. Now, we've been telling you about this for the past couple of weeks, and, and I, I'm really banging this drum because if you've not experienced the, the Dark Sky Preserve that is Jasper National Park, this is the time of year to do it. All right, because the Jasper Dark Sky Festival, obviously there's opportunities to, to take in the natural wonder, but also to better understand what's happening in the universe around us, right? Like there's a, there's a dinner, for example, coming up in just over a week. It's October 21st. This is part of the Dark Sky Festival. Uh, Seth Shostak is going to be there, a senior astronomer and an institute fellow at the SETI Institute is going to explore why haven't we found more extraterrestrial life? Like, where is the intelligent life in the universe outside of planet Earth? Speak for yourself. Oh, really? Are you on to something here? (laughs) You you, you auditioning for a keynote at the next Jasper Dark Sky Festival? It's for another show. For another show. I like this, but but Seth is going to take us into this understanding. Now, the ticket price to this... Uh, this specific event on October 21st includes a three-course meal, wine pairings, plus one complimentary ticket to Late Night with Jay Ingram. You know Jay Ingram? He was on the show before, podcast host. I mean, one of Canada's yeah. formative voices in, in understanding science. Uh, we, we love his podcast, and, and Jay's going to be there. They've got their Saturday keynote package. That'll be October 22nd. Jamil Janjwa, a, a Calgary native, retired Air Force major, a career path most people dream of. We're going to understand better pushing the boundaries of space exploration and then of course there's that aurora weekend package as well that's coming up this friday so like a couple of days from now for all i mean around 600 bucks uh you can explore the wonders of our universe at the new forest park hotel absolutely stunning location includes a two-night stay a friday night reception a saturday brunch with an astrophotographer how cool is that and more Again, you can find all of the ticket details. You can get hooked up for your experience, unforgettable, guaranteed, at the Jasper Dark Sky Festival by visiting jasperdarksky.travel. That's jasperdarksky.travel. If you're out there, we would love to see your photos, your videos. You can post them on Instagram. You can post them on Twitter. Make sure you hashtag MyJasper and RealTalkRJ, and you could see your masterpiece featured right here on a future Wednesday edition of My Jasper Memories presented by Tourism Jasper on Real Talk. I'd like to circle back and uh, follow up on exactly what you're alluding to with regards to the search for extraterrestrial life or intelligent life outside the bounds of planet Earth. Do you have any theories you'd like to start this combo now? I've made contact. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, my goodness. We do need to launch another podcast. What was that radio show that used to be on back back in the day at oh, like uh, three in the morning? And it was I listened to it when I lived in Ontario. My grandfather loved that program. Well, uh, it was uh, amazing. What was it called? And the phone calls that they yeah, would it get was incredible. It yeah. was amazing. I would I'm, always listen to it with my grandfather, and it was one of his favorite shows. And it, yeah, when I was younger, it would get me into yeah, not just conspiracy theories, but stuff that. People hold true. I just read the other day that Alberta is like the biggest UFO sighting capital of Canada, like the the most in this province and the most in and around like Red Deer, Edmonton. 
this, huh. like this circle we're living in, which is, I don't know what that means exactly. I was going to say, I feel, it feels like there's a, that's like once you start peeling away on an onion and, and you're I like, you, you might want to be careful about, you like, don't, you know, what do they say? Don't ask questions you don't want the answer to. Yeah. yeah. My wife, my wife's a big believer and she's always like looking up to the skies and I show, I'm, I'm like, look, Alberta, the most UFO sightings in Canada. And she's like, I don't, I'm not sure if that's good or bad. If that means we have, you know, very people who are interested in the skies or just a lot of people. wing nuts. <laughs> is that the is that the word you're looking for? I'm not calling your wife a wing nut, to be sure, to you, be very clear. You notice how I wait for you to fill in gaps sometimes? <laughs> well, I, you're, I was like, if you're having a hard time finding the word, I think you're looking for wing nuts. Um, I didn't say it. But, you know, you 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 call someone who who claims to have been abducted, you know, and, and by aliens or to have seen a UFO. You know, we write them off. Uh, or most people would write them off until then you see something, mm-hmm. right? Like I had a, a supernatural experience once, nothing to do with intelligent life or UFOs, but I had, a, I had, a, I had an experience where something around me um, moved in inexplicable fashion for a sustained period of time, and I still get chills. I'm not prepared to actually, I don't want to tell the story right now. Should I tell the story right you now? You opened this up. Was it a ghost? Are you talking about like a... I'll tell the story. I'll tell this. Actually, I will tell the story. And it involves Charles Adler. And uh, it was when Chuck still had, I can't believe I'm telling this story right now. So Charles had his show, Charles Adler Tonight, a national talk radio show. Yeah. And this was like not the first time that he invited me on, but it was one of the first times it was a really big deal for me. And um, and so I did it. I did the interview in, in our garage, which we call the cabin. Um, it's where we hang out and it's where we throw darts and things like that. And I have pictures of my grandparents up in the cabin. And I did the interview with Charles and uh, and and I was just and I was as I was talking to him, it was just audio is obviously talk radio. And, and I was as I was doing the interview, I was looking at this, these pictures of my grandparents and feeling like, gosh, I, uh, I wish they were still here to hear me on Adler. I'm going to get emotional. And so anyway, but I was just like I was I was it was a meaningful moment. And I, and I, and I was reflecting on my grandparents and on the side of the beer fridge, there's just these these this magnet holder. Uh, that holds a paper towel roll and uh as and so we wrap the interview with charles and his producer thanks me for my time and i hang up the phone and i'm sitting there in silence for a brief moment Mm -hmm. reflecting on my conversation with charles and looking at the picture of my grandparents and all of a sudden the paper towel roll just goes all the way to the end like rapid speed, like you could not pull it fast enough. There's no motor on the roll. The fridge was not moving. Wow. There was, and it, like even to this day, when I tell the story, people don't know how to respond because there is, people say, well, what about this? But what about, you think I haven't examined every possible reason why that paper towel roll Mm -hmm. would have completely emptied itself? I'm talking a full paper towel roll unraveling to nothing. And I left it and, and even the paper towels, like, you know how they're like, they're like, they're, there's that like thing where you can rip them off cleanly, whatever you call that, mm-hmm. the break in the papers, mm-hmm. it neatly stacked, like it neatly stacked all the way up. And I left it there like that for months. People would say, can I grab a paper towel? I say, don't touch that. Like, and, and, and to this day, like it has influenced and changed my opinion. You know, my wife will say, we have these conversations. They're fun conversations to have. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you believe in the supernatural? Do you believe in whatever? Mm-hmm. How can I say no? 
Like, there is no explanation for that other than the supernatural. Yeah. And so it, 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 it forever changed my opinion on it. But I think that you have to have firsthand experience, or, or in many cases, you have to have firsthand experience to have that conviction that you believe that something exists or that something's so out there. You know what yeah. I mean? And I, I, I kind of relate to the, the kind of connection you have because it's kind of what my wife has. Like, my wife's an empath. She can like she meets someone she knows immediately if they're like a good or a bad person. Not yeah. like, you know, it's opinions. But sometimes. sure, she's got a She basically sees auras. Like she can see, you know, she see right through people. Like it's something I can't do. But um, you know, strong connection to her mother who passed away as well. So she has this spiritual side where she wants to connect with her mother somehow. And like she she sees things too that I don't see. Hmm. And I, you know, sometimes I'm like, "Oh, whatever." But um I don't know. I don't know. We should do a whole show on this. Well, I'm just looking, and Brenda, Brenda on our live chat says uh, you guys need to do a Halloween episode. Um, we, we, so our you know, she 500th. says we got to get Barbara Smith on. I don't know who that is, but I'll, I'll Google her. Brenda, you got my word. Our 500th is coming, and I think it's going to fall right around Halloween. Our 500th episode. 500th episode, which we could do a spooky. Uh, <laughs> But I wouldn't even want to spin it as spooky. Like we could do, yeah, we could do ghost stories or things like that. But like my my no, I mean, let's you know, mine let's was do a mine, in the here. the thing, <laughs> the thing about the the paper towel roll was I was like when it comes, I was at like, that are my grandparents time. here, yeah. mm-hmm. or if or like or like I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, all it all it did was was give me more questions to ask. But I just it was a it was a, a to be honest, it was a wonderful experience. But it still gives me. Like I'm, I think I'm feeling a little strange right now talking. And now about everyone's it, right? starting to share their stories in the chat. We really should do a whole show. Yeah, <laughs> that would be really cool, actually. I mean, it, real talk doesn't have to always be politics. Yeah. It doesn't have to always be stories of scandal and disaster. Uh, we could do some digging into some cool areas. Uh, this is a great time to remind you at home that, like, you can play a huge role. Like, you know, whether it's this email from Cheryl that I read earlier here, or, or your comments in our live chat, or you hitting up our our uh, hashtag Real Talk RJ, you can have a real say in the editorial direction of the show. Let us know something you want us to talk about. Give us a give us a story idea. Shoot us a tip. You know, we love the the brown envelope, right? The the deep throat tip on something that you think that we should uh, track down and follow up on when it comes to storytelling. We wouldn't be able to tell these stories uh, without our incredible partners. And and that includes the amazing team at Sherwood and St. Albert Dodge. I've been raving about this Ram 1500, that crew cab that I've been driving this pickup truck. It's the first pickup I've ever driven. You know that? Actually, I mean, I, I don't mean like ever got behind the wheel of, but I mean like had the keys to for a full year. Really? It, it took some getting used to it at the beginning. Right? Like I was driving a Jeep Grand Cherokee before. Love the Grand Cherokee. Yeah. The truck's a little tougher to park. You know, you got to adjust your driving a little bit. Right? But I'll tell you that the, the, the way that this thing handles on the highway... And of course, the way that it accommodates the needs of our family, we got a little infant, you know that, we've got a seven-year-old, we got two dogs, whether we're snowboarding or heading out to the family farm for Thanksgiving, that Ram 1500 has been unbelievable for us. Uh, you can shop Alberta's best selection of Jeep, 
Dodge. And of course, that Chrysler lineup at Sherwood and St. Albert Dodge. Uh, you can shop online or in person. You can find them under the Sponsors tab on our website. Our friends at Eden Landscaping, uh, yeah, they're going to maybe be hanging up the, the shovels and they're going to maybe park the Bobcats for a couple of months once this ground freezes over. But they don't head down to Mexico and kick their feet up. That's when the design work starts. That's when they're applying for the permits. That's when they're ordering the construction materials to bring your outdoor space to life so you can hit that ground the minute it thaws in the spring a custom landscape builder family owned with more than 20 years of on the ground experience in Edmonton and area it's Eden Landscaping you can get your quote today or make contact with Mike and his team at landscapeedmonton.ca if you're thinking this might be a perfect time of year to start fresh, maybe kickstart your career, maybe learn a little bit more about subject matter that's caught your attention, Athabasca University should be your very first stop. It's Canada's online university, and there's a reason why literally tens of thousands of Canadians trust their post-secondary experience to Athabasca U. It's because not only do their world-class accredited online programs set you up for success, but the way it's structured offers you the flexibility to learn at your own pace on a schedule that suits your lifestyle. You can learn more about AU, the programs and courses, how the admissions process works. Get started today at AthabascaU.ca. Of course, you can find all of our sponsors under the Sponsors tab on our website. And I want to remind you before you go, I mean, imagine if this was the mention that somebody heard that prompted them to take action that culminated in receiving the keys to a $2.2 million dream home. Oh, and along the way, you help fund healthcare across the province. It's what the Covenant Foundation Lottery has been doing for more than 30 years. 30 years of life-changing wins. You can browse the vehicles that are up for, I mean, it's, it's vehicles. John, I know I talk a lot about this dream home because it's absolutely stunning and you can tour it online. You just visit the lottery's homepage, but they're also giving away very cool stuff like luxury vacations to London, to Portugal, to Turk and Caicos. Uh, what about luxury vehicles like an Alfa Romeo, a Lexus, a BMW, or of course, hella skiing, a luxury ranch experience, a guided fly fishing experience. So much winning. As part of the Covenant Foundation Lottery, you can get your tickets by calling one 944 2774 or visit right now covenantfoundationlottery.ca. Coming up tomorrow, I don't want to jinx it, but I expect we'll be speaking with a prominent prairie politician. How's that for now? We'll get her take on the future of politics in Alberta and what that 2023 election might look like zoomed out eight months or so. We've also got a Real Talk roundtable in store coming up on Friday waiting uh, for confirmation that third panelist. We've got our fingers crossed because if he confirms, I guarantee he'll be a fan favorite. Thanks for tuning in to Real Talk today. We'll see you tomorrow. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, Executive Producer Josh Dunford, Technical Producer John Hicks, General Manager Katie Cook Chivers, Account Coordinator Lawrence Durlego, Human Resources Lena Shepard, Website Design Mike Johnston, Voiceover by me, Carrie Skelton. 
Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Ann Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a Relay Project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.